start recording. Start recording. Right. Um, now, in 1910, a missionary named Henry Morrison and his wife retired from their work, their missionary work in Africa, after spending 40 years away from home. There was no Skype or Zoom back then. There were no quick flights home. So you could you know, come and uh, you know, then go back again. Uh, they had spent all of those 40 years away from home and they were now returning to America. They were returning to New York. And just as their ship was pulling into New York Harbor, the, they were surprised to see a large crowd of people who uh, had banners and there was a band playing and I'm sure it was a wonderful surprise. But this surprise was uh, cut short a little bit when they realized that instead of this crowd waiting for them, cheering them and greeting them coming home, on the same boat was the former president Theodore Roosevelt who had just returned from a short hunting trip to Africa. So instead, no one was waiting for the Morrisons. No one was there to greet them. No one was there to thank them or praise them for their work, their 40 years of missionary work in uh, Africa. And at first, initially and understandably, Henry Morrison was resentful that Roosevelt, who had just uh, had a very short hunting trip, was getting all of this fanfare. And that he and his wife, who had spent 40 years of faithful service, had no one to greet them. But sometime later, Morrison uh, talked about these events and he said that it was then that he realized we're not home yet. There's not a lot, a lot written about Henry Morrison. The world does not recognize him as a great figure. But when he gets to heaven, surely when he gets to heaven, there will be a great fanfare welcoming him home. Today's letter, uh, today we, we're coming to the end of the letter from Peter. Uh, and what a difference this Peter is from the one that we see in the Gospels. This is a man who has suffered the loss of his friends through execution, through persecution. He's lived through the persecution from Jewish authorities. He's been stoned, he's been beaten. And now we he is seeing the beginning of Roman persecution of the Christians under Nero. To me, this letter answers a few questions, uh, a few key questions that we get asked as Christians. How can a 2,000-year-old document have any relevance to me? How can you believe in a God of love in a world of suffering? How can you keep going when everything seems to fall, be falling apart? Here we see this wise spirit-inspired words of Peter that speak directly into our lives. It tells us that we, we will suffer here for a short time, but we will have a glorious eternity in heaven. 
And that is our home, and we should look to Jesus because he went there first. So let me read. Let me share this. Um, so we're reading from 1 Peter chapter 5, Shepherd to the Flock of God. So I exhort, you, uh, exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd of the flock that is among you, sorry, shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God will ha would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief, uh, when the chief, pe uh, chief of shepherd, uh, chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, uh, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. To, be him, uh, to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this true grace of God, this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Let me pray as we go on. Father, we pray that your spirit is here as you promised. We're gathered in your name. You have promised your spirit to be here encouraging us, strengthening us, but opening all the mysteries of your word to us, teaching us, molding us, making us into your image. Lord, help us to go into the world as your witnesses, knowing that you have done it first. In Jesus' name, amen. So this passage is divided into a few sections. We see uh, a final word to the elders of the church, a brief word to the younger ones, some words of warning to the whole church, and final greetings. As you probably know that we, uh, and Eddie said earlier, we as a church are looking for a new pastor, and we've got a, a job description from Pastor Craig, uh, but what we have here in verse 1-4, it's not a bad job description in itself. Let me read that out to you. So I exhort the elders among you, 
as a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of, uh, of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. That image of a shepherd is one that is, follows all the way through the Bible, right from Genesis all the way through to Jesus, this idea of, and you may kind of balk at the, balk at the idea of, of being called sheep as the congregation, but as anyone who works in an organization for any period of time knows, leadership matters. When you change management, you can see a change in the way that a company is run and leadership matters. And so that is a, a huge challenge to me who is leading this church. And I am greatly challenged by that as I was reading through this and, and trying to figure out what it says. And, um, and I wonder whether in this pandemic, as the church has shrunken under my watch uh, before the pandemic, we were reaching up towards uh, certainly a regular of about 70, but sometimes reaching up to 100 in this, this room. I look around and we see a, a few and only a few on, online as well. I know that more listen to these sermons, but uh, it does challenge me to see whether I have uh, been faithful in uh, exercising godly uh, oversight. I know that many have returned to their own countries, but I wonder whether I should have followed up and talked to those who have been attending more sparsely or, uh, or moved to a different uh, church. Maybe to have set up a, a network of people to have uh, to reach out and to support one another. I wonder whether that's something I should have done. As preaching and leading in the ch this church has become more of a duty and a burden at times rather than a joy. Am I doing this out of compulsion? And all Christian things at times will be a duty. It will feel difficult. Nothing easy should ever uh, be, you know, no, nothing good should ever come that easily. God does, has put us on this earth to work. But am I doing it under compulsion? That's something that I should ask myself. Verse 2 says, not for shameful game, again, not, uh, but eagerly, not domineer and domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. I hope that you don't find me domineering. Um, I, I'm constantly saying to my students, I'm not scary, am I? Um, some of them, most of them say no. Okay. Um, but, uh, and I hope that you don't see me as doing this to do any game. But I think that anyone who takes the stand here to preach to even to lead Bible studies and unfortunately, and, and this is not uh, to kind of say this about the worship team, but those who, who come up to lead the singing, uh, this is something that we have to be wary of that, and asking ourselves whether we take this for the spotlight or the recognition. And sadly, over the years, I have seen those 
who have uh, led worship and singing do that. Um, and you can see it in their actions later on, uh, you know, maybe uh, releasing an album for, you know, kind of, and then perhaps moving away from their Christian roots. And we see that in obviously uh, worship songwriters. Unfortunately, we see far too many of those singers and songwriters who originally have good Christian roots moving away from, from that uh, and moving away from you know, solid gospel teaching. So it might not be for money, but it might be for spotlight and recognition. And we, we've seen people in the church who, who have done it for that recognition. So it is a challenge and it's something that we need to ask ourselves all the time. As I think about my own service, I have to avoid pride. My uh, short time leading this church in, in this, you know, I know it's a difficult time, but in everything else, it is a comfortable setting. And it pales in comparison to those who have devoted their lives to service. I have a good job, a nice house, a good income. I'm preaching here in comfortable clothes, in aircon. I doubt that Henry Morrison in his 40 years of faithful service in Africa would have had the same where he was preaching. He certainly will be looking at that unfading crown of glory as the chief shepherd Jesus appears again. He is not home. He was not home yet when he arrived back in New, New York. But as he went to heaven, that is something that he should be looking forward to. It is, is it? heaven that we are looking forward to is it heaven that i am looking forward to far too often i look down and at the stress uh, and stress about the day-to-day -day goings on in my job and life and everything else that i'm juggling this is a challenge to me as an elder i think that whilst this is written to elders in the church it's something to challenge everyone who takes responsibility uh, for others in the church as i said before those who are leading bible studies those who are leading the worship those who are even discipling another christian or encouraging other christian friends as we older christians as we grow in christians uh, as christians should be doing to those who are parenting children we are told that we will be called to account for all of that. And so it is a challenge. Now, it's not shouldn't be a surprise that Paul, oh, sorry, Peter writes significantly more words to the elders than he writes to the younger ones. He says, be subject to your elders. Again, echoing chapter two, where we should submit all submit to our authorities, to the government. Um, to the local authorities, to the law. Slaves and servants should be submitting to their master. And in chapter three, wives submitting to your husbands. It's very, very countercultural, as we talked about at the time, especially to the Western mentality. 
we see the individual freedoms being and, and standing up for our rights being the pinnacle of Western, what the Western society seems to be calling us to. And I think that we can see that certainly under yeah, in the pandemic where there has been so much riling against kind of vaccines and masks and any kind of questions as to kind of uh, demands as to do something for the society. Submit yourselves to your authorities. Submit yourselves to your elders with humility. And this then goes on to the next section, which gives us a very clear warning to be humble. And in this next section, we have uh, this warning uh, to be watchful against the devil. In this modern society, we can often dismiss this figure of the devil. We shouldn't be afraid to speak his name. His name. Jesus certainly isn't. We might think of it, and we often think of it, as a superstition for a bygone era. Or perhaps a manifestation of our doubts and personal issues, maybe a mental health issues, and ourselves holding us back. There's a great line from one of my favorite films, The Usual Suspects. I found out, the, uh, just looking it up, that it's actually a quote from a guy, a, a guy called Charles Baudelaire. I don't know what he, he's done, uh, but it's a great line. And it says, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled is, uh, was convincing the world he didn't exist. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You see, like much of Peter's warnings in this book, if we started to talk about the devil to our families, to our friends, to our colleagues, those who do not know God, those who do not see the Bible as their authority, what's going to happen? They're going to mock us, aren't they? They're going to ridicule us. We should take this seriously if we are taking the bible seriously then we should be taking peter's talk of the devil seriously he pants he paints the sorry he paints the devil as a lion who prowls round seeking someone to devour and again this paints us like sheep huddled together just waiting for one of us to break off and you might think with that imagery that Peter is talk, would be talking about standing firm together as a church, defending ourselves from the, the, the lion who is prowling around. And he does do that earlier in the book where we find our identity in the church. But here are very real and very practical uh, um, encouragements, advice that is true for us today as it was for, uh, so for 2,000 years ago. So we see here in verse 6, be humble. The devil will tempt you, making think you think that you can do it all on your own. That's the opposite of humility, isn't it? Thinking that you can do it on your own. 
thinking that you can handle everything on your own. And then all he does, he has to do is sit back and let things pile up on you and those anxieties and letting everything in this life just swamp you. Does that sound familiar? Instead of reaching out to the God who cares for you and who keeps you precious in his mighty hand. Again, there's that image. I don't know whether you remember of uh, the analogy of the child who says, uh, who has the chore of clean, uh, clearing the snow from his uh, parents' driveway. And he says it, I'll do this. And this is, this is how I'm going to earn my pocket money. And there's one particular day where there is a huge snowstorm and the child is out there and they're trying to shovel it. He's, yeah, he's trying to shovel it. Eventually he comes, comes in exhausted and weary and says, I give up. I'm sorry. In tears, I can't do it. And the father says, well, you haven't used everything at your disposal, have you? You haven't. And the child looks at him confused. You haven't asked for my help. And after a little rest, they go out and together, they clear the rest of the driveway. That is at our disposal. God is at our disposal. Be humble. It takes humility to reach out and ask for help. This is why men are so bad at asking for directions. Women are far more humble about that. There are so much more ready to ask for directions. That's my opinion in a way. That's my experience. I'm right. You know, I'm like, I can read the map. I can figure it out myself. I can do it myself. I don't need to ask for help. And usually the, the girl sitting next to me was to say, don't be stupid. Stop and ask this person for help. They look like a local. Be sober minded. Be watchful. Be aware of this great tempter, the great liar and all his devious ways. Read your Bible. Be aware of what the lies and the temptations are. Talk to another Christian. Talk to other Christians, more ex uh, experienced Christians. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Resist him. Firm in your faith. That means standing on what you have learnt from the Word of God. We know that from elsewhere in one Peter and, or obviously, the whole of the Bible. Standing firm in the, your faith, knowing that you are not alone and that Christians all over the world are facing the same struggles as you. When I was learning to be a teacher, I, I don't know whether you, uh, I, I've ever told you this, but my pride got in the way, definitely. And I was really suffering and struggling. And the moment where it just lifted is actually where I met up with my colleagues who were yeah, spread out in different schools doing teaching experience. And we shared experiences and we shared those struggles. And I realized I wasn't going through this alone. Struggle now, suffering now, glory in heaven. That's not to say that God doesn't grant us peace and respite here on earth, but we don't truly rest until we are in heaven. 
If you've been out for the day, yes, you can take a short break, take a, a quick cup of tea in a cafe, sit down for a little while, but you don't truly rest, do you, until you are home? I don't know whether you, uh, maybe uh, younger people don't feel this. I think I've always felt this, but now as I get older, when I spend the whole day out, even if it's doing something enjoyable, like you know, I, I actually quite like shopping, and, um, but uh, just touring around different cities. Even if I sit down and have a kind of uh, a rest, etc., or even if I'm traveling in a hotel, it's not quite the same as it until you get home, kick off your shoes, find your comfy pants. Some of uh, the Bible study people have seen me in my Bermuda shorts. Those are my, my comfy pants. So it's, the, it's where you're comfortable in home. That home is in heaven. For verse 10, after you have suffered uh, a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We should be longing for that day when he calls us home. And this is why Paul says, to live is Christ, to die is to gain. Peter finishes with some final greetings and exhortations. We don't know who she who is in Babylon is. Uh, but we think that Babylon represents Rome. We know that Peter does not have much longer to live at this point and that he will face execution by being crucified upside down uh, on a cross. Hopefully, as we finish one Peter and we look back on it, we have an answer in chapter 3, verse 15, answer to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. That is what Peter encourages us to have, that answer. So how can a 2,000-year-old book have relevance for today? And hopefully you can see this in 1 Peter, because Peter, who is guided by the Spirit, wrote advice that is personal and very relevant for our struggles today. How can you believe in a God, who, uh, a God of love in our world of suffering? Well, suffering is part of the human condition after the fall, as humans have made it, but as Christians... We know that we will suffer because we are promised, uh, well, we are told that we will suffer. There is no delusions about that. We have a promise of peace and joy in eternity. And we have a God who cares and provides for us even in this life. If eternity, that promise of certainty and eternity wasn't enough, we do have a God who cares and provides us for us now. How can you keep going when everything around you is falling apart? Because my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, went before me. He suffered and died 
and he is now in heaven interceding on my behalf and he has called me to eternal glory with him. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray. Father, help us to resist the temptations, the lies of the devil. Lord, help us to be bold in our witness to you. Guide us in our roles in this church and with our, those in our care. Our children, our friends, our family. Lord, we pray that you can shine through us, be a witness through us. Lord, we pray that we can look to heaven as our home long for that home to realize that this is not our home and that we should not be building things here but instead be building things for heaven in jesus name amen